Welcome back to Ghostbusters Minute. Ghostbusters Minute is the fan podcast that overanalyzes the 1984 classic film Ghostbusters. Today we are going to be talking about minute number four of Ghostbusters. I am Kyle. I'm Brady. And welcome back. So like I said, we're going to start with a breakdown of minute number four. We start off at minute number four in the previous minute. Jennifer, the female student, had guessed that the card had a figure eight on it. That's where we left off at the end of the last episode. At four minutes, three seconds, it is visible to the audience that the card had, in fact, a plus sign on it. Dr. Venkman informs Jennifer that she is now five for five in guesses and asks her if she's cheating. The male student looks perplexed and nervous. At four minutes, 14 seconds, Dr. Venkman asks the male student if he is nervous and tells him that he only has 75 more to go. Dr. Venkman holds up a card and asks the male student what the symbol is on it. At 4 minutes, 28 seconds, the male student guesses uh, a couple of wavy lines. I'm sorry, this just isn't your lucky day. But he actually is wrong because there are, in fact, three wavy lines on a card oh, that the audience will see. come on. At 4 minutes, 30 seconds, Dr. Venkman tells the male student that it is not his lucky day and slowly moves his hand over towards the shock button while ominous piano music plays softly in the background. The male student fidgets in his chair nervously. At 4 minutes, 38 seconds, Dr. Venkman raises his eyebrow to the female student as his hand hovers over the shock button. At 4 minutes, 40 seconds, Dr. Vinkman winks at Jennifer and administers a shock to the male student. The male student screams that he is tired of the test. Dr. Vinkman affirms to the student that he is being paid after all. At 4 minutes, 50 seconds, after having his credibility of his test questioned by the male student, Dr. Vinkman states that the test is made to study negative reinforcement on ESP ability. At 4 minutes, 57 seconds, the male student tells Dr. Vinkman that the only effect that the test is proving is that it's pissing him off. And that's where we leave this minute. So this is a really funny minute. There's a lot of, um, again, we see the, uh, the kind of slow build to Dr. Freeman trying to touch the button. Just like with the beginning of the film, when Alice is walking around the library, there's so little going on and yet so much going on. And in this scene, it's, this, it's, it's the same exact thing. There's such a little, little tiny scenario going on here. You've got the guy who's performing the experiment and the two test subjects, and that's it. And yet you've got this whole rapport between Jennifer and Peter and the rapport with the, uh, what, what's the guy's name? Did they even say his name? Uh, he's just male student. Male sure. student, yeah. So there's so much going on and yet so little going on. There's uh, a lot of suspense used to comedic effect here. You know, when he's slowly reaching up to touch the button. Do you remember in um, Epcot Center, <laughs> the Honey Eye Shrunk the Audience? I don't. Uh, 3D experience. I know what you're talking about. I don't, I don't remember. So it. you would go and sit down and there was a sequence in it where a lion would come out and it would roar and in 3D its paw would come out and scratch at the audience. And I always hated that part because they would blow air up into your face and it was just a little like of air like that. But in my mind I could feel the claws like scratching my skin. Yeah. And when I see Dr. Vingman reaching up for that shock button, it's like I feel the shock in the body. Oh, you body. feel that anticipation? Yeah. I, there's yeah. there's got to be some sort of term for that. I don't know what it is. But I, I, the anticipation was building in me and when he hit that it was just like those li the lion's claws yeah. coming down in yeah. 3D. It wasn't actually there but I felt it. So that was your own Milgram test. That was my own Milgram test. Yeah, tell me a little bit about the Milgram test. Well, so the uh, test that Peter is performing is an actual thing. This is based on on something called the Milgram Experiment. Uh, it was a study done by a psychologist named Stanley Milgram in 1963 at Yale. And the study was to try and figure out the conflict between obedient and personal conscious. How far would someone go in torturing someone else, basically? Yeah, I think this test was brought about after the atrocities of World War II uh, during the Holocaust that some Germans would just be following orders. That was the big thing. That, you know, hey, I was just following orders. 
I was just doing what my boss told me to do. At some point, you have to, as a human being, step back and say, like, wait, what is my boss asking me to do? And what this experiment was trying to prove is that there's very little in the way of a person stopping themselves from doing something if an order is coming down from upon high. That actually, you, you can read further into the experiment, and it goes to, to some fascinating places with this. Now, this Milgram experiment did come into a lot of uh, criticism, uh, and some people say that it's, it's complete bullcrap. So uh, even a, a cursory glance at the Wikipedia entry on it will probably give you a, a fascinating read over the course of an evening of, of, of this experiment. Yeah. Um, so, Dr. Vickman tells Jennifer that she is five for five, and then tells the male student that he has 75 more to go. So we can assume that there were 80 questions in total. Yeah. I believe in the next scene, he says, this isn't worth my $5. Yeah. Is that what he says? Yeah. <laughs> you can keep the five bucks, man. I'm not five bucks. I mean, at the rate they were going, it took us two minutes to get through two, two to three cards apiece. Yeah. They were going to be there all day. God. I don't think... And she was already... Five for five. I don't think that he ever had any intention for this to be an actual test. I oh, well, no, of course was not. Like, I don't have five dollars to give this guy. I've always wondered, like, just how much is Peter sold on all of this? All yeah. of this paranormal research? Or is he just buddy-buddy with Egon and Ray so that he can get the grants and not have to work? He can just make a living that way. So, yeah, you, you just have to wonder how invested is he in all of this stuff or is he just doing it to live off the grants and have a good time like this trying to you know hook up with these girls on campus uh by acting like he knows anything about all this stuff yeah you talked about in the last episode that uh in the backstory to his character in the cartoon was that he wanted to be a uh, train conductor so he went to engineer school yeah. and then he found something to, to kind of get through the side door on uh which would be the parapsychology department so i have to think that he doesn't believe in any of this until he gets to the library. Yeah, until he gets to the library, and then, you know, I know we don't want to jump ahead, uh, but later on in the movie, he goes from, you figuratively, an atheist to an agnostic when he finally gets to Dana's apartment and she has been turned. And I really think you see a lot of character development in that minute. But that's later on down the road. He becomes a true believer. Over the, maybe yeah. that's his character arc. His character arc. Yeah. Do you think that Peter Venkman, over the course of the whole movie, has any character development? Is he the same person at the end of the movie that he was at the beginning? You know, that's... Um, and I've actually heard some other people uh, talk about that same thing, and one of them said that he doesn't, and that that's fine. You don't have to. I know that Sigourney right. Weaver has also said it's, it's almost ridiculous for an actor to go into a role thinking they have to have an arc. We as people act and operate differently at different times of day, uh, depending on the circumstances. So, and arc is satisfying from a viewer or mm -hmm. reader standpoint when you, you see somebody change where they begin, you know, uh, over the course of the film. But like Marty McFly in Back to the Future is the same character at the end as he at the beginning. He just right. had a lot of trials to go through. And he, you know, it's, it's, as long as, I guess, a character's fun to watch in the end, it's, it's entertaining. I would say that maybe he does have a little bit of an arc mm -hmm. because he opens up to Dana Barrett, who, you know, love at first sight. Right. And by the end of it, he, I don't want to say that he wants to settle down, but he's definitely interested in her. He's pursuing her. He's not, he seems a little bit more serious His, by the end. Yeah, and it's interesting because the art that is there is for him outside of everything that's going on in this movie. It doesn't necessarily, yes, it is affected by the events of the movie, uh, but you could have put him in different circumstances than battling ghosts in New York, and the same thing may have happened. He may have sort of, uh, I don't know, matured a little bit. Yeah. So it's interesting. I would like to see this same character have the same arc in completely different circumstances. 
Well, that's pretty much all the notes that we have for minute number four of Ghostbusters. We're going to be back uh, next week with minute number five. That's what's up. That's everything. So that's what's up. Everybody have a great weekend. We will see you here on Monday with minute number five of Ghostbusters Minute. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And remember, death is but a door, time a window. We'll be back. Ghostbusters Minute is a fan-supported podcast. To become a supporter, visit us on Patreon at patreon.com slash gbminute. You can also find us on social media at facebook.com slash ghostbustersminute, twitter.com slash gbminute, Instagram at ghostbustersminute, and visit our website at ghostbustersminute.com, where you can find merchandise such as t-shirts, stickers, and free balloons for the kids. Balloons subject to not being free nor real. Our theme song is Ectoplasm by Audionautics, which is licensed under the Creative Commons Attributions License.